Hello listeners, welcome back to the Founders Club podcast. The following is a conversation with Anna McAfee, founder of the first LinkedIn local offline event. It all began with a single post in 2017. Fast forward two years, at its height, LinkedIn local touched the lives of over 300,000 humans in 650 plus cities and 92 countries. It ignited her excitement for online to offline, a deep passion for community, for supporting more sustainable mental health practices, and to bring a better sense of belonging in the world. Feeling the medical, psychological, and financial burden of this crisis, I'm sending wealth your way. Stay strong. We are in this together. We'll beat this. This is the Founders Club Podcast. If you enjoy it, Consider to review with a 5-star on Apple podcast and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Giorgio Morochica, or simply connect with me on LinkedIn. Hello, everyone. Welcome back on the Founders Club podcast. Today, my guest is Anna McAfee. Hello, Anne. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Um, also good. I'm happy to have you here on this podcast and to connect uh, with you from the other corner of the world. <laughs> I know, I know. It's um, Australia's a bit far flung for, particularly at the moment with uh, the world in it, with our with our borders closed, things seem a lot further away than they did a month ago. Okay, so uh, let's start with a little bit of knowing each other and uh, allowing our, our listeners to know who you are. So can you start with a little bit of uh, a brief introduction of yourself? Sure. I, um, I am a uh, LinkedIn trainer, community educator. Um, I, I think I will always be probably at least on LinkedIn remembered as the crazy person who once put a post on LinkedIn that said, I'm going to host a LinkedIn local who wants to come. That was in a small city in Australia, which um, a city of around about 100,000 people called Coffs Harbour. And it was not meant to be a big crazy thing. It was meant to be um, just a local meetup for LinkedIn connections. So within a few hours, it was in four other cities around the world within a few months it was in about 30 cities within a year it was uh in around 50 countries and i think by two the two-year mark we were at 96 countries and over a thousand over a thousand cities so it's that was my um i guess that propelled me into the linkedin stratosphere um and really gave me a taste for what communities are um, both online communities and offline communities um, and really helped me understand, I think, human connection, human behaviour um, and ultimately what really drives us as human beings. And from that moment, I was kind of hooked and I've been working um, with communities ever since um, as well as doing LinkedIn training as well. Um, so that's me from the professional side, from the personal side. Um, I'm obviously Australian by the accent. Um, I can say that. <laughs> for, yeah. um, I lived in Scotland for nine years, though, in my 20s, which was fun. That was where I got my taste for LinkedIn and recruitment. And um, I am married with two young kids. So my kids are four and six. So right now they are everywhere and anywhere in my life, given our lockdown status. But that's fun. And we're kind of enjoying a bit of time at home as a family. 
That's so interesting. So go, going back from your private to your professional life, it all started with one post on LinkedIn. And from that post, you went up and created a LinkedIn, the first LinkedIn local community event. And I want to know more about the, the origin story. So can you tell us what is LinkedIn local? And if you can take us back to where you were at the time and when you built this and what were some of the frustrations that made you start this movement? So I think um, ultimately the idea behind the movement was to get to know the people behind the LinkedIn profiles. So I, I could really see, um, you know, I'd been using LinkedIn for well, 10 years now. At the time it was about seven years I'd used it in the recruitment industry. And I thought it was such a great platform. You know, I trained people on how to use it and it was a, such an amazing platform. And I was literally coming out of maternity leave um, coming up to three years ago. Um, well, next month will be the when I first made the post. It'll be three years next month. Um, and I was coming out of maternity leave and I was connecting with a lot of people on LinkedIn, looking for jobs, looking for business. Um, because I was doing, you know, my own business as well as, you know, potentially looking for part-time work, whatever was out there. And I was connecting with a lot of these local people and I would go to networking events and these people weren't actually at the people that I was meeting on LinkedIn weren't at these networking events or I would, you know, there was all these really interesting businesses and people out there that weren't sort of typically going to your average networking event. Um, and I think there were typically people who didn't necessarily do business locally, but they were working from home were probably fairly socially isolated um and so when i put up the post about us having really low engagement with as a community in, in, the, in the city that i'm in um a few people responded and said oh well if it's, the numbers are so small why don't why don't we just meet up for a coffee one day so that was literally where the idea came from um and adding the hashtag to the first post I did after this, which was, you know, I'm going to host a LinkedIn local in Coffs Harbour who wants to come. And right before I hit post, I put, I thought, I might put a hashtag on this. And this was in the days before hashtags were even a thing on LinkedIn. Nobody was using hashtags back in 2017. Um, they, the, the communities area of LinkedIn didn't exist then. There was no suggested hashtags. But I thought, oh, I'll put this hashtag on it. And I just put it at the end of the post. And what was really interesting about that was what I have since learned from this experience is hashtags really activate participation. Um, they encourage people to get involved in something. And so within a few hours, there was Alexander in London, um, Eric in Brussels and um, Swish in, well, he was in Toronto, moving to New York, saying, I'm going to do the same thing um, in the cities, in their respective cities. And so... It really was an idea about leveling, you know, well, I can do this in my city. I can bring this to my city. Um, and ultimately, the idea was to get to know the people behind the LinkedIn profile. So it was to connect at a human level. Um, it was to keep it pitch-free, sales-free, um, and really just about the people that came and not to not sponsored by LinkedIn. It was just a way for LinkedIn users to meet offline because we were also connected online, but we really needed that online com component to complete that connection. So obviously LinkedIn is a social network as many others, such as Facebook and you name it. What I want to ask, why, why do you think 
the impact of bringing the community from uh, online, from this platform specifically, to offline worked better than maybe Facebook or is there any reasons that were explanation that you well look I think I mean I've give, certainly given thought to that um, and even at the time of LinkedIn local there was people there were people talking about um, something happening on Twitter or that had been happening on Twitter called mask off which is where you would take your mask off and come to a meetup um, and that was a thing though on Twitter many many years ago and so I think it, it has existed elsewhere I think for this, it just, LinkedIn is very much built around people. I mean, even so their business model is built around people. Um, they obviously charge companies um, and recruiters uh, and people can buy premium accounts, but the, the, those, even if a company buys it, is distributed to users. So as a platform, it's very much built around the user. Whereas Facebook, whilst there's a lot of users, its business model is around businesses and advertising. And so the way I think in which at least we use it, use those platforms commercially, um, you know, we all know on LinkedIn, you know, for those that, that, that are listening that, you know, who have um, some experience of using LinkedIn, it's really, you, you really work with your personal profile. Yes, you can have company pages and you can build those, but primarily people do business with people. You don't do business with an avatar, you don't do, business with a brand usually without knowing somebody within that business and so I think because it's a very people-centric platform whereas Facebook isn't necessarily and certainly the likes of Twitter and Instagram you know you can you can kind of hide behind an avatar and not be a human being whereas on LinkedIn you kind of need to be that human being it's a professional space um, so it's you know and and there's 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 a commercial element to wanting to connect with people so um linkedin local was really almost an extension of that but more taking that human level um and getting to know human beings um not just those profiles so i i think linkedin local had a and it's interesting because i'm just finishing the book about linkedin local right now so i've, I've and there's a lot of thought and time and place around this, but there's a few key factors as to one of the reasons, I, well, there's several reasons why it did really well. And I think that people-centric side of the platform. The other, the other thing that happened in September 2017 on LinkedIn was they released native video, where you could actually upload a video to the platform. That was prior a huge update. September, yeah, prior to that, it's hard to even imagine now, you can only share external links like Vimeo and YouTube. So. It suddenly, and what was happening was these were when all these events were just starting to kick off in these cities and a few people had had some really exceptionally well done. Alexandra did one in London. Um, Eric had an amazing one in Barcelona. And these videos just captured something in people's minds because when those videos went out in the newsfeed, our inboxes just flooded with people. So I think there was an element of it was a very level playing field as in it could be any LinkedIn user that wanted to do this. There was no, um, you know, there was no hierarchical structure in that you needed to have X amount of event experience. Um, it was a very people-driven platform. And we also were suddenly seeing video in the platform and it was these events coming to life. And I think... There's a, some other factors, but those are three key ones that I think um, 
that people centric to answer go back to your question i think that people centric yeah. focus of linkedin is one of the reasons it happened here and um i want to segue to another question uh, we hear a lot of negativity especially now about social media and how technology disconnects us uh, if you look now what's happening and we're living in, especially because we're living in unprecedented times uh, and I came to realization that you, for instance, uh, you used a LinkedIn platform uh, even in a better way than the creators did <laughs> thought about. And so what are some of the best practices or uh, advice that you would like to to share with the founders, entrepreneurs to better connect and reach uh, or even build communities? Mm. I think... Um... You've got to have that connection to your audience. Um, in terms of building your network, um, it's very much about, like for example, on LinkedIn, personalized connection connection requests. When you connect with people, um, you know, if you can, if you're not so time for sending follow-up messages and, you know, thanking people, asking if you can help them. Having just a key sales message to everyone, you know, automating messages, nothing like that builds community. You've got to be, you've got to share content that's really about you, that's authentic, um, that's not continually driving sales messages. I'm not saying don't ever sell, but ultimately, if that's all you're there for, um, you've got to be interested in other people if you want them to be interested in what you're doing. Um, You've got to give back. In terms of actually managing um, and building communities, um, not just a following, but you know, an actual community, you've really got to connect with those people, understand their needs, and give them a place to connect with each other as well. Um, there's, you know, there's some, you know, you you trying to understand the people in your network's pain points, so and and and, and finding a way to connect them to that opportunity. Um, of finding something else Um, it's continually um, I I think also as well one thing I learned with LinkedIn local particularly with the host community was was asking the questions or or at least listening listening is a really big big part of community um, is listening to what people actually want so don't do all the talking spend a lot of time listening and then actually provide resources or um, you know, it can just be links or articles or podcasts that are actually going to help them, um, you know, answer the questions that they have. Uh, I think um, so. Create that connection with people. I think uh, so. When I first started using LinkedIn more heavily for my own business it was around two thousand and eighteen, mm-hmm. and the first I I was okay. The first and my bias, so this is a platform where you can post your CV and then maybe one day, or it's a platform where that is about status. So you post your CV, you post your where you studied, what jobs you did, and people will find you and connect with you and reach to you if they're interested in your profile or and even to hire you. And in uh-huh. 2018, um, what I started to use more heavily LinkedIn because what we were looking at the time was to validate our idea of our startup. And we were doing some, ex- we were doing, uh, some experiments. And our use- target users of the app we were developing at the time were professionals working in Shanghai. And 
I, I saw some of mistakes now that you were saying this, like you have to create a community, deliver some value. I was doing the totally opposite. What I was doing is just adding people and asking, hey, would you like to try our application, give some feedback? <laughs> and that was like, that's not the way to create a community. That's a way to sell your services directly, which was not selling at the time even. It was just a research I was doing. Raising awareness, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the and then obviously you you'll not be able to adapt and learn and pivot until you actually start to do it by yourself and see okay, what are the best practices and how I can I can leverage this. And I think uh and what I see especially now here in Italy that still people think that LinkedIn is a platform where you just upload your CV and you 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 and that's it. And people will find you and hire for a job. And um, wh- what I want to ask you is, how can other people um, emulate this emulate the success of LinkedIn Logger in their country or in their city? Such let's let's take for instance Italy or any other country, which offline events are not LinkedIn offline events are not so widespread. Uh, no, I think there were there have been a couple in Italy, but um, but I mean ultimately for those looking to create you know LinkedIn local events, it was the, I mean the way we I mean we for for the first two years um, myself and the founders and a few other helpers that became mentors um, we 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 had a mentoring process and we had a um, like an onboarding process to really help people um, replicate the success because again we didn't anticipate running this huge host community when we set it up it was that people came to us with what have you done differently how can we replicate this so we did set up a process after two years when linkedin um released the linkedin local terms we we kind of had to step away well we did have to step away from it simply from a time management perspective i mean we weren't making any money from it um or anything like that but just to answer your question i So what we had done was develop a whole process behind how people get started. And ultimately, um, we had developed, and I, my recommendation for anybody running communities is if you really want to have, particularly like a chapter-based model, you really want to make sure you're attracting the right people. So our process and our, you know, our web presence was very much developed in order to get those right people. But once anybody, you know, and, and we were very fair in what we did, there was very little rejection process. It was literally, these are our values. This is what we, we think you should stick to because this is what we know is successful, not a mandatory rule, but, a, you know, sort of a, a, a learn by example model. But ultimately, when people were getting started, we would just say, right, great, well, if you're ready to go and you know you've got a decent number of connections locally, Um, then just start by putting up a post on LinkedIn and say, you know, I'm thinking about hosting a local meetup. Who would like to come? And what ultimately what happens with social networks in that sense is people comment and say, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, you can make the post and tag a few people in the comments that you know that might be interested, that you know locally. That then gets them on board. Once they comment, their network starts to see. So they might actually be your second-tier connections, not your first-tier. So you start to get people interested in the event before you've even organized it. And what we saw in some cities was a really big uptake of people just on that first post before anybody had done any organization was just to say, suddenly we've got 200 people. They had venues coming forward to say, oh, could we host you? This sounds like a wonderful idea. 
people found co-hosts, people ultimately made a huge number of friendships just by simply starting with a single post about their own city, explaining what the concept was and why they wanted to bring it to their city. And that was a really genuine, authentic message and it resonated. And that's ultimately how most cities um, got started and how I would tell anybody if they're wanting to do the same um, is just to begin that way. If you could choose uh, three values that LinkedIn local events or meetings should nurture and develop further among, further among people, what would they be? Well, we had four, so I'll have to pick the top three. Um, I think uh, the, the first one... If you want to go um, for all the um, four, just feel free to add an extra. Um, the first one I'd say is diversity. Um, one thing we really, really encourage with LinkedIn Local, and I think it's really important for any community, is to um, is to encourage, you know non-exclusivity so this isn't an exclusive thing it's open to you know particularly with linkedin it, you know we wanted to make people aware that this was open and available to any linkedin user whether they were a job seeker whether they were a ceo um you know this is about connecting at a human level it, you know it doesn't need to be an industry specific thing and people did want industry specific stuff and we said you know we'll create a topic that's around the real estate industry you'll get the people that you want there and probably not but you, you know you're not shutting the door to anybody who might want to come and learn about that particular topic um and so diversity is the big one because i think you know particularly I, i'm all for creating diverse values anywhere in life so um i think diversity would be the first one um Secondly, LinkedIn Local, what I know from having run that community for two years and I, I, is to really keep those events pitch-free. And what I mean by pitch-free is not about the organisers' businesses because ultimately when people go to an event and it's seen as an upsell or it's seen as a commercial thing, they don't always come back. When they see that there's an act of giving, that people are really just there to create those, you, you, the, the, the hosts are there to just create a space for people to connect, um, then that's why people keep coming back time and time again. Um, so I think um, the, the non-selling side of LinkedIn Local was something that people were really drawn to. It was seen as different to another networking event, and that was ultimately what made the events so successful um and so we're pitch free <laughs> which is really hard when you meet another professionals uh because one of the questions that comes out, out often is like what do you do well i'm doing this and i'm doing that but it's pitch free just for uh co-hosts not among the people well, who are coming there and it's but it's okay to ask that question but it isn't about going into a room with 30 business cards and handing them around oh here's my business card here's my business card here's my business card have a conversation with somebody first and that conversation can be about what you do i mean we really encourage people to try and you know have you know that we had some question cards and all sorts of you know you know icebreakers and things that weren't necessarily about what you do um and and pitch free doesn't mean not necessarily, you know, because people can talk about, you know, they can share their expertise, but it's not, well, you're here at a free event and to get the next phase of this, you need to spend $500 for the, I mean, that, that, that's, that's pitching. 
Um, if it's here's you know the top tips on how to use LinkedIn without the upsell at the end, then it can be pitch free because you're there to add value. So you're still there. You know the panels that a lot of LinkedIn local events are about sharing expertise. They are about um, you know creating knowledge for other people, but there's no sort of upsell on it. There's no ulterior motive to the events where people are just trying to sell, 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 sell. Um, and I know, look, I know some events around the world have kind of have turned that way or gone that way and, and, and have been quite successful in that, but they are seen as um, just normal networking events um, as opposed to what we founded it as, which was community events. And different cities will always do things differently and, and that's okay. But, um, yeah, keeping the pitch free side is, um, is great. Um, do you, uh, how do you see the offline events in the next future? Uh, future, is it going some? Is it something that is still going to be on, or do you see a decrease Look, I, in this? In, in like how? What what do you envision for the it's, future? It's so hard to say with the coronavirus what will be allowed and what won't be. What I do know is that there is an inherent need for human beings to connect face-to-face because I started to see it with LinkedIn Local. I had, in the first, even in the first few months, I had people messaging me on LinkedIn to say, this, this, this whole concept's changed my life. Um, and there were people who, um, you know, whose who's, um, a parent had just passed away and they couldn't really leave the house. They had no social network you know, struggling with mental health issues. They'd seen this, they'd gone along to an event and they'd met people that had ultimately changed. Um, you know, there's a quote by Judy Fox on LinkedIn, which was LinkedIn local, you know, altered the tra- trajectory of her life. And she continually says that. And she's not the only one there, you know, and one of the things I've done with the book is compiled a number of stories from people who were feeling isolated and what they were really missing was that face-to-face connection. Um, When all this sort of started to happen and we saw this huge thing go global, I read a number of books. It was all this a great book by Susan Pinker called The Village Effect, um, which, um, you know, talks about in in Sardinia, you know, and and why people live longer, why people... um, And it is ultimately about these villages and it... But everything from education um, to to parenting, you know, in terms of that, that human contact is so important. So one thing I do know, there will be a huge appetite for face-to-face events because a lot of people are, are, are struggling from a mental health perspective. And yes, Zoom is wonderful. Um, and then other, other platforms as well to connect via video and they will do for a period of time. But you actually can't facilitate that face-to-face connection. So there will definitely be a huge demand for it. It's whether, when and where in the world, because some other some countries are going to be different. I think it's more about when and where it's actually going to be possible. And that I don't know mm-hmm. um, when we will allow be allowed to gather in larger groups um, again, I, that that is a very unknown. Yeah, I think uh, that's um, to some degree goes back to 
our own history. We've grown up in tribes, small tribes from 100 mm. to 150 people. And through evolution, we still thrive to gather with uh, and to connect with and belong in a group of a uh, few selected people. And this will for sure will never disappear. And um, building the community, uh, connecting those people, mingle with them, understanding what they're doing, learning from them. It's, it's so crucial, not for the business, but for yourself as a human being and for your own mental health. Absolutely. I mean, you know, our, our whole history of human beings has, has been together, and be it births, deaths, marriages, it's, you know, business networking. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to do business with people without actually having a at least a conversation and hopefully a face-to-face conversation. I think most of us are working that out via video conferencing now, but, um, but you do need some kind of connection in order to gain trust from a business sense and also to, to bring that sense of, sense of belonging to your own world through other face-to-face events, um, you know, even in your personal life. So it's, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's something that does keep me up at night as to knowing what I know, having seen what happened with LinkedIn Local and the number of, pe- number of people who were feeling very isolated and then came out to these events and, they all, you know, the feedback was ex- immense. Um, now what the world's going through is, is very much a backward step on what, what we saw with LinkedIn Local. So I think there will be a huge demand for it. But as and when we can meet that need as event hosts and organisers, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a case of treading water with WhatsApp groups and and you know Slack groups and things like that and, and connecting on LinkedIn. Yeah, if if you had to start all over again this journey, is there something that you would like to change or I don't know. Have you ever thought about this? <laughs> what would I... I have? Yeah, I've thought about it a lot. Um, we learned a lot. Um, in so I, you know, I think a lot of the mistakes were important. Um, probably in some respects, I was probably a little too trusting of people. I'm I'm a very trusting individual, and I think that helped a lot. I did get my my. Um, my, my toe in hot water a couple of times with the wrong people being involved with the community that um, weren't really embodying the values. So um, so I think perhaps acting on those sooner, I would. Um, it was it was it was LinkedIn Local was a really difficult community to run because and even from the outset we wanted to work with LinkedIn as a company. Um, we could see the value this was adding to their platform and we tried to um, connect and it wasn't until a year in that we were finally able to talk with one of the teams at LinkedIn about what was going on. So um, I guess I would like to, I would like the, to the communication with LinkedIn to have been a little bit different. Um, I would like to have gotten across to them better um, I'm not sure how that could have happened, but I, I wish they had a better understanding of how LinkedIn Local changed the experience for their users and continues to do so because their view now is very much 
there's terms there. People can use the logo. People can use the name, but they don't want to have anything to do with, nor do they care what goes on. Um, and that's extremely sad because, you know, but it was ultimately that we were there running this community without any backing. It was taking up all of our time. We had no money to do it. And we didn't have the blessing really from LinkedIn to continue to keep doing it. So we had to say, look, you know, and we had this really wonderful, thriving host community. How did they ju- and it still exists. How did they juggle, how did you juggle with this um, a question? Like, we don't have a LinkedIn blessing, but we are organizing these events on behalf, let's say, uh, of LinkedIn. How yeah, did you manage okay. this? I mean, returns, I mean, LinkedIn give their blessing to any LinkedIn user who wants to um, wants to run events. It was more the um, central management that we were doing that we they, we didn't really have that blessing for. So each individual host, there was absolutely no issue with that. It was the way in which it's just it's. Blessing is probably the wrong word. Um, we, we needed some help from them. Um, we needed some better communication for them, and that's what we, we tried to get out of them um, as to what what could and should and couldn't be allowed. Um, and, and so it, it made it, you know, we were very a value-driven movement, and the terms that they issued really removed a lot of those values, so it, it turned it into... Not you know all the social impact values were were gone through the LinkedIn terms and I I would to go back to your question about what would you change I wish that we could have changed that I, I wish I could have helped LinkedIn as a company understand but ultimately every single individual I spoke to at LinkedIn and I even had some employees reach out to me to saying this is a really wonderful thing every single individual loved it. Um, the corporation itself just couldn't respond to something to that community. They just couldn't see how it was going to help their bottom line. Um, And we, you know, it was user engagement that was ultimately the answer to that because it was really engaging a lot of users. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, creators on LinkedIn now, some very, very, very high profile ones. Um, There's two in my mind that have, huge followings and they started because somebody dragged them to a LinkedIn local event. What is your take on uh, this movement of many people uh, becoming actually, you know, there's social media influencers, but there's LinkedIn influencers, you know, top voices in different areas, whether it be education, startup. What is your take on that? And so it's a so top voices is an initiative that's done by LinkedIn. Each region they publish. Um, they don't give the criteria. It's quite unusual. Look, I, I know some people who've been given the accolade of top voice, and it's quite a prestigious thing to get. Um, the influence is an interesting one because it, people call themselves an influencer. Like LinkedIn does have an influencer program, and that is for people like Bill Gates. Um, Richard Branson, Simpson, Richard Branson, you know, it's, you know, like proper, proper high profile people, but yet other people, I suppose, call themselves an influencer. Um, It's interesting about two years ago, people used to refer to them as micro influencers. And now it's very much, 
influencers, those those people who have say a hundred thousand followers, but you know they don't have the official badge by LinkedIn. So um, it's look, I mean, it's it's like anything, isn't it? Um, you know, if you're a TEDx speaker, um, you know, it's it's just it, it's another thing on your your res, your your resume or CV. Um, you know, it's increases your status, let's say. <laughs> yeah, I think top voices are an official thing done by LinkedIn, um, and you know, they're a, they're a really wonderful thing to get. Um, the influencer is more. You don't have the badge, and you call yourself an influencer. That's very much a self-proclaimed thing. Um, I don't know how and when you become an influencer. Um, that's not a term I use to re- even refer to myself. So it's. Difficult, difficult one. But yeah, as as you did pull me up, I did actually talk about a few quite influential people, and I called them influencers. So um, high profile, I probably should have corrected that. Are out. there any but high profiles that you follow in particular and uh, inspire you, or you get a value out of, out of following them? Um, look, there's a there's a oh, there's a lot of people I would follow um, on LinkedIn. Um, and and people doing different things at different times. Um, one of the people I was thinking about was um, who did get started because she went to a LinkedIn local event was Shay Rowbottom. Um, and I I enjoy Shay's stuff simply because it just makes me laugh. Um, it's on you know her her skit videos can be really rather hilarious. And I I think. What I like about those is um, because, like you, I know a lot of people. And it, like I spoke to a business owner today who has 50 staff, and he surveyed them and said, you know, what platforms are we using? Who's using LinkedIn? And he just drew a blank. Nobody in his organization was using LinkedIn at all um, because they were like, isn't that just the boring place you put your resume? Um, so I think Shay's content really drives home how much this platform has changed. Um, Michaela Alexis, um, her um, articles um, were one of the first reasons I was really kind of drawn back to LinkedIn. I don't think she publishes as much in articles, but does a lot of really good posts. Um, Ali Jules in the US um, is doing is publishing some really really wonderful articles right now. Um, and Alexandra Galvis, who was one of my LinkedIn local co-founders, she's doing a month-long series of lives, which are great. Every day, at the same time, she's going live with a different guest on a different topic, and that's um, you know, it's it, I, I like to see that ingenuity of people using or doing things differently. Um, and it's interesting because people always said articles were dead, don't write articles on LinkedIn anymore, and then Ali Jules goes and gets 22,000 followers from one article, and it's like, wow. you know, it just, it's just, I just like seeing people break the rules. Um, and so that's who, you know, those sort of people right now that spring to mind that, that I follow because it, um, you know, it's, it's just different. You know, Shay's style is very different. It's not what LinkedIn's seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps, you know, like it or not, I'm sure there's a lot of people who just think, you know, what, what on earth is this about? But I like it because it's, I've, I've used as an example, there are plenty of people who have said to me, well, it's just that, that boring place where you put your resume. I'm like, well, why don't you take a look at this? 
Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's actually really funny. I'm like, yeah. It opens the world so, when, when you show uh, to people it's not just a boring place to put your resume. Um, I want to ask, you mentioned during the interview um, that you were working on a book and uh, also before the interview you were working on a podcast. Can you tell more about that? Those two projects? Yeah, so the book is um, the book is a little long overdue. Um, it's um, primarily a collection of stories um, from LinkedIn local um, hosts or attendees around the world about the impact that it had. So, and the reason for the book was, so it's really the story of how it started, um, the impact stories, and then ultimately, you know, what really happened with LinkedIn and, and what communities can learn from, from that lesson. Um, but it, it came about because it's I'm co-authoring it with somebody who helped with our communications um, for that host community. But her and I had this discussion and it was very much like, you know, when after I had to step away from it, I was like, I have all these stories in my inbox. For two years, people have told me how much this has had an impact on their lives. And I said, I don't want them to stay in my inbox. They need to, um, they need to come out um, and be published. So that book is... It's a self-published book, so um, it's the timeline is really up to up to us. It's about eighty percent done, so that will be released probably. I would say, um, hopefully, within two months. Um, we're not not too far away from that um, podcast. Um, I'm, you know, as I said in the beginning, I, you know, this this whole journey really inspired me to look further into human connection and how communities can meet those human connection needs and how we can bring a better sense of belonging through either technology or in person. Um, and so the podcast would really be about exploring and interviewing people that I, that I know or at least I'm seeing doing this um, and very much approaching it from, you know, a beginner's mind of, you know, I, I you know, I, it's something I'm so keen to explore. And um, even if, it can, if I can do that through a podcast and take people on that journey, then that's, um, that's where that's at. When that starts, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, what I can tell I you, what I can tell you, start as <laughs> well, soon as possible. It, it may depend on when lockdown disappears in Australia because my, my time to record with two little people around is actually pretty limited. So it may be when the schools go back in Australia. So oh, right. That might be out of my hands, that decision. My, my advice is to start as soon as possible and you can uh, take from the stage you are and then improve from that, that point on. Mm. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect or reach out? Maybe for a future LinkedIn. interview. LinkedIn. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm everywhere, but um, well, I'm yeah. Well, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. But LinkedIn's where I kind of hang out and spend most of my time. So um, that's definitely definitely a place to place place to find me. Okay, uh, Anne McAfee. Thank you for uh, joining the Founders Club podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye.